From a picturesque country lane called Industrial Park Road in a building that also houses people in the Witness Relocation Program. And we also think Waldo is here. This is Air Hamptons with Bridget and Bill. Ah, and here we are. April Fools, everybody. We're going to do a show today. And we have the biggest fool on the planet, Bill McCuddy, along with... Jim Turner, our one-man Jim band. Jim Turner, our one-man band. Jim, uh, you always play funny stuff, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Even unintentionally. <laughs> I try to keep a straight face. <laughs> well, listen, we are talking about April Fools and humor yeah. and comedians. Do you would, do you have any memories of April Fools jokes that have no, been? I'm afraid my mind went blank, and I don't want to spoil the party. But I'm not fond of uh, of these kind of pranks, you know, where you hear stories about uh, the guy, uh, the, the the thing with the Rolling Stones, where Mick Taylor apparently put. Ben Gay and Keith's uh, dentures. And, you know, I mean, somehow this thing about... I love that. Stuff, but it is mean, though. But you know what? I was going to say that because... That's your point. That's yeah, your, that's your, exactly what I was going to say. I agree, I, say I agree with Jim Turner for once. And I'm saying that <laughs> I just think it's a chance for parents to get back at their kids. My mom did the same April Fool's joke from when I was three until I was 53. Bridget, look, there's monkeys on the lawn doing somersaults. And you fell for that every time? At least until 49, wow. I would say. I know. But it's really a chance for parents. I mean, 1949 kind of, or until you were 49? Until I was 49. Okay. That was a joke. I was, that was my, and look, you laughed. That's I did laugh. Cool. That's funny. But, yeah. you know, there really isn't much funny about April Fool's no, jokes. No, it's your... I mean, they're cruel. They're cruel. They're mean. It's mean. And, and we're going to spend an hour talking about them. <laughs> we are. Do you have any recollection of, like, April Fool's uh, jokes? My recollection is they're just not that good. Like, oh, as a comic, yeah. you want something funny. And I'm not saying I, you know, one time on The Tonight Show. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, as I, I, it's you want it to be clever and cool. And they so rarely are. My daughter had one I just remembered that was the most brilliant April Fool's prank. I'm giving a, a love to my daughter, Georgia. I was, um, I got all these messages from people. We were, it's when we were moving out of our house in New Hampshire and here. So like there were a lot of calls coming in anyway, lawyers and realtors and everything like that. And everybody who left a message said, blah, 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 blah. Oh, by the way, do you have any gray Poupon? <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? And Georgia had hacked my um because i always use the same password as i have since i was like a kid she Which hacked is. my voicemail i'm not telling you i'll tell you after the show um and she had changed my message to say it's april fools leave whatever message you need from my mom but at the end ask her if she has any gray poupon but i just could not figure it out did and you have was, a rolls royce no but it was pretty fun not at that time <laughs> i had no. no but it was it was actually pretty cute but you know there, there's cute ones and there's kind of passive aggressive ones. well for some reason this caught on it started in the 15 hundreds when their Gregorian calendar took over from the Julian calendar. I think we all remember that. And uh, <laughs> they screwed up and started celebrating New Year's on April 1st, which was now the wrong day. And if you did that, you were called an April fool. So... I'm still, uh, I'm still writing the Julian calendar on my checks. On your checks? <laughs> on you your checks? Yes. Another theory is that it's related to the arrival of spring when nature, quote unquote, fools us with fickle weather. That makes a little more sense. But uh, being Scottish a little bit, a fifth Scotch, I always say, uh, in McCuddy, <laughs> um, others think that it has something to do with the vernal equinox. And the Scottish think that the April gawk is a cuckoo or a simpleton. Huh. So as a simpleton, I have to agree. Um, okay, well, there you go. It's from, from the, the simpleton's mouth. Uh, you're listening to Air Hamptons with Bridget and Bill. And uh, we're going to be back in a minute. Jim, will you play us out with something foolish? Something funny. Somebody say, yeah. 
I'll show you how to do it, Louis Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. All right. Uh, welcome back. We are going to talk now with one of our favorite regular guests here, and he's going to tell us if there's anything funny about real estate. Uh, he has also worked with some very famous funny people in his television years, uh, one of the producers and uh, a little thing called Good Day New York. And oh, then yeah. he and I worked together, first at America's Talking and then the Fox News Channel. He is our favorite Hamptons chatter guy, and uh, Patrick McLaughlin, welcome to... Thanks, April Bill. Fool's edition of <laughs> I love Hamptons. that. I love that Julian calendar. What's the Julian calendar? I have no idea. I've never heard of that. Up. I mean, I, really. I, I, Do you got, know, I did. Oh, I pulled a great April Fool's joke on Bill once a long time ago. You did? I have really? to when we, when we were working together at Unsaid Network, I emailed everybody. I said, start emailing Bill and say, I'll bring potato salad. And I'll, I said, Bill, let's pretend Bill's having a potluck at his house. And people started emailing you and saying, I'm going to bring potato salad. Oh, I, let me know. I'll bring desserts and cookies. Let me know what I can bring. I'm not sure. And Bill's like, what the hell is going on? But that was... Look, oh, I don't clever. know how you feel about Roger Ailes if you're listening to this. He started a little thing called uh, the Fox News Channel. But when we were on something called America's Talking, which is now called uh, MSNBC, MSNBC yeah. we all got a basket from Rayo's that had – or no, it was Patsy's. And it had Patsy's, like, sauce and everything in it. And it said, all the best, Roger Ailes on it, on a big bow. Right. Every time people came to my house – for a party or anything, this potato salad thing never happened. But like when people came to my house, I hung the bow on a different thing, like a bike or a microwave a oven or a new stereo. That is and so people clever. would show up going, Ailes is giving him all these gifts. <laughs> That's and really the funny. last time, I'll never forget, Mike Jarrett came to the house and it was on like my car. I'd gotten a, a little convertible sports car mm -hmm. and I put it on the windshield and he goes, you're just putting the same card on <laughs> they finally all these it out. different things. Oh, he finally, he finally uh, very figured funny. it out. Um, well, so what, what's going on? What, what are we here Yeah, to what's talk funny about? in the Hamptons in April? Well, what's not funny? Do you want to start with that? The, <laughs> yeah. uh, what's They're adding a 5% uh, 5 tax on what? all real estate transactions starting April 1. This is for the uh, community fund for affordable housing. So it's a good thing. Oh, okay. It's a good thing. And what they're going to do is they're going to use this. Uh, it's point. It's actually, once again. So this is different tie. than the Peconic Land Trust. This is in addition to the Peconic Land Trust. Right, that's it's, a half of, it's a half a percentage right. point. And they're going to use it to help uh, first-time home buyers, uh, you know, people with legal advice. They're, the idea is just to make... Housing more affordable. Right, to make the Lord knows we need it. So. Yeah, so it's like putting aside a prudent reserve for... Um, right, for uh, so make right. housing more affordable with another tax. Yes. Well, well, that no, makes but, sense. Well, it's, it's a tax that's going to help first-time homeowners and probably people who... Uh, but right. housing affordable housing in the Hamptons is like the garbage barge, right? Like nobody wants it. Remember that thing about 20 years ago that they couldn't find a port for? It was all this garbage no, and it was floating all over the world. I think they sent it to Staten Island. They, never, <laughs> they, made, they made Staten Island out of it. Yeah. They do. No, they, they actually have some nice places. I mean, Whalebone w Village, and it, yeah. there's things like that that have a long, long waiting list to get into. Yeah. They're Every very town nice goes, mm, put it in the other town. Yes, of course. Uh, of course right? they do. Of uh, course they, they always do. do. This is the Hamptons, after all. But still, it's, it's, well, it's a real need, right? I heard they were actually, you know, the, the park right next to where the Stop and Shop is in East Hampton, Herrick Park. They were talking about building affordable housing there. 
<laughs> April Fools. Uh, I was like, we didn't even know what to say. You had us didn't, for a second. Oh my yes, God! Any good. other good April Fools gags that in your in your time on either television or in the Hamptons? You know, we're still getting cards and letters about the great one you told. Uh, few episodes ago about the, uh, the realtor that left the, the key under the yes, floor mat and, and the, wrong the people person. came home and they, it was the wrong. I don't know. Well, I did one time when I was managing in real estate tell the agents that we were going to take the back half of our office and make it a Starbucks. <laughs> and what we were going to do is take all the desks in the back office and get what I called uh, bunk decks, bunk desks. And if anyone had vertigo, let me know so I didn't put you on a top tier desk. And people were like panicking. Like, I, what is this? I don't want to Wait, sit. at first they were probably thrilled there was going to be a Starbucks in the office. I said it was going to be good for office and, and we were going to get a discount. It was going to be we, good for the office. We were going to increase traffic. Like we that. worked together and I was not there when you did that, but I remember you, you coming in with lots of fun little things when I worked at the office in Sag Harbor and the office uh, in Bridge Hampton. Fun we little fun. thing. Wait, we you had a, in everything else you've done, you also sold real estate? Well, no, I was, I I was the I was the receptionist. I don't know what the administrative assistant. Thank she you. did a lot of the paperwork and yes, the exclusive paperwork. Oh, that's a I'm, sitcom. When I moved to be back written. here, yes. There right. was a real estate sitcom Rich with girl turns Ellen DeGeneres years ago called Open House. Open House. And I think it lasted like five episodes. Ellen DeGeneres played at this role at this performance. <laughs> she played like, that the part. The part yes. of Bridget yeah. Leroy was played by Ellen DeGeneres. Yes. Yes. And uh, a famous Allison LaPlaca. Yes, was she was on every actress. Fox series. She back was in the on day. every show. She was going to be the next big thing. She was the Terry Polo. Remember Terry yes, Polo yes. from the Meet the Parents, and then she made a couple of things. Everybody got a she Fox show. She was the show. Gretchen Mole of Terry Polos. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you guys are <laughs> getting too esoteric. Um, um, yeah, poor Gretchen Mole. Uh, so well. We in England, a fool is called a gob, a gobby, or a gobby, and we are learning all about foolishness today because we're talking about humor. A little later on, Woody Harrelson, I had the uh, chance to sit in on a conversation with he and the director of Triangle of Sadness. Uh, and we're also going to be <laughs> talking to comedy. Amanda Green, who uh, has written many uh, Broadway shows and has a new one that's uh, uh, very uh, interesting and not what you would usually think of as comedy, but we're going to talk to her. And I sat down and talked to uh, Caroline Hirsch, and I will relay all of what happened there. She had Caroline's on Broadway. That went away, sadly. It was one of my favorite clubs. And uh, now she's doing other things. That Maybe she, uh, she could have Jimmy you. Fallon come on and... You know, oh, since no, he would be great... a good funny guy to have you on the show. Got to have Jimmy Fallon. He lives right around the corner, not oh. on Industrial Drive. But no, <laughs> he lives on. I, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say the name of the street so people don't drive by it. But what I am gonna say is that he did a cool thing, which he bought an old house out here, right. and he didn't tear it down. Yeah, he didn't mess it up. He's, he didn't. Exactly. No, it's, it's a really cool house. It's, I showed it's a it farm Victorian it. kind of house, uh, and he'd be a great guest. Why has he not been on the show? Jim, I don't know. We're you know, start. you know, uh, Turner was talking earlier about how he, how he being uh, not Jim, but uh, the great Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon, um, the great Jimmy Fallon. Sorry, I had a brain freeze there for a second. <laughs> uh, loves to do impressions of different musical people like. Uh, yeah, yeah. He could come on the yeah. show and jam Springsteen. with Jim. He Jimmy, could do the jam. jamming of the Jimmy. Maybe he'll Jimmy do Jimmy jams. So this will be our. This will be our ongoing. Awesome. This is our new. This like, is our new thing. We're do, we're making it a thing. thing as of right now. Jimmy Fallon, come on this show. Our charge. Well, Jim Bill. Fallon, Turner if declined, you're listening, he declined Prince Charles's uh, coronation. So oh, there I you mean, go. You know, 
he's in demand. Wow, you are hot on the April Fools. <laughs> Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Hamptons Chatter is where all the latest Hampton stuff is. It's dot dot .net. It's dot .net and dot .com. Oh, okay. Because he spends, <laughs> baby. Fools. He bought them both. <laughs> big big time. Time. Always good seeing you guys. Fun Thanks, being here. Thanks, buddy. Jim, play Thanks. us out. And they we will France be right bon back. Fromage. We have the great Josh Gladstone joining us. We do, and Tom Clavin. And Tom Clavin. Clavin will tell us the funniest movies. What are the five funniest movies you can think of? In the meantime, this would be the the soundtrack for it, I guess. <laughs> and funnier. Make it funnier, Turner. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that was very good. good well, now job. it got a little bluesy, which now, is never funny. Before we go to Clavin, hey. I, you, you were talking about the English. English. Okay, that's enough. Thank you, Jim okay, Turner. Good. Cut Thank it you. out. Okay, now you're getting on my nerves. Um, was in England in... Jimmy 16... Fallon just called. He now has no desire to play with you. Uh, no, in kidding. 1698 in England was the first kind of published uh, April Fool's uh, joke, oh. which they wrote uh, somebody placed something about at the Tower of London. They were going to be washing the lions and you could come and watch the lions getting washed, <laughs> which was, yeah, it was funny. And then they proceeded to do that same joke for 200 years in the press. They did it all the way through 1897. They, they put that in every year. They never changed it. The washing of the lions and, at the Tower of London. And, uh, I guess when you have a good shtick, you stick with it. That was... But, but, They'd need a good shtick to start with. Well, but uh, you know, but there are no lions, and what that they was would the do, gag? yeah, and then people would show up, and they'd probably go, "Oh, you're all here. Uh, who who wants to be beheaded today?" That's I, I imagine that's <laughs> so. What they happened. never wash the lions. There are I mean, there are no lions. Oh, I see. Oh, there aren't even is. lions. Well, that makes it kind of funny. It's silly. Hey, um, okay. What, anyway. What's your favorite funny movie? Oh my gosh, I have so many. It's hard. I mean, I kind of like the the mainstream ones, but like um, uh, Animal House. God, yeah, Animal House is great, but uh, but I was thinking more of the like wedding I think crashers. I highbrower than that. Oh gosh, no, not at all. I don't know why. The Hangover, um, oh. Role Models, which is really inappropriate. I have to plug my kids' ears during those ones and hide their faces. Well, we have a movie um, maven as we do every we do. week or every we, month. How often is this show on? I'm never sure. They just wheel me in here and I do it it's every um, day, every single day. We're here at <laughs> LTV, by the way, in uh, the picturesque Wainscott, New York, and heard on WLIW. But uh, we always enjoy a visit from Tom Clavin because he's the movie guy that does the deep dive. you got to say movie maven. I movie mean, really, maven, he's, yeah, um, yeah. he's right, handed it to you. I changed my name. And yeah, what, right, exactly. What you... something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have kind of a two-parter here. The first one is a um, uh, very subjective list of top ten comedies for me. Okay. Uh -huh. If I was on a deserted island... And I had a DVD player. This is the ones, the 10 DVDs I would bring. That's oh, where this all, is good. Oh, wait, that's where all the DVD players have gone. <laughs> good, which is very foolish because uh, if I was on a deserted island, I would want food, water, and Jennifer Aniston. Well, or, yeah. <laughs> Forget the DVDs. No, I would probably want the DVDs. But so what, what's on your list, Tom? Airplane, in alphabetical order. Yes. Airplane. But I want to put in a plug for Soul Plane. If you haven't seen that movie, yeah, 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 one of that the funniest, was the... most vulgar films you'll ever see. Oh, sounds like a Snoop Dogg is the pilot who doesn't make it away all its way to the end of the film. It's priceless. Okay, okay. Can you see him as the pilot, or yes. is there just like a, we, we a have crew big waft of smoke? Well, as, as the film goes on, the pilot, the, the cockpit gets smokier and smokier and smokier. And every every uh, African-American comic is in that, right? Like Eddie Griffin. Kevin Hart when he was like in middle school. Really? Well, yeah. we have members of our crew right here who are laughing, so I guess that's... Soul Plane. It's, it's, right. Soul Plane is I very would, I did not think of Soul Plane. Uh, again, alphabetical order, Animal House comes next. Yeah, so good, good. I'm glad it's on uh, your list. I was thinking of a Woody Allen movie, and I picked Annie Hall, although Sleeper... Is kind of a sleeper I think Sleeper movie. is funnier, funnier. It's you know what? Funny. I actually am a, a huge banana. fan. I, I yeah. love Love and Death, 
but you have to know your Russian history and your <laughs> yeah, Russian literature. Yeah. But it is very Sleep funny. Sleep I love a good gulag the orgasmatron. Gag. Yes, I love the orgasmatron. The orgasmatron. Uh, the big Lebowski. Yeah. You oh, gotta, yeah. You got to go with the dude. Yeah, everybody yeah. the dude abides. Dude, Dude, Yep, yes. yep, yep. Uh, I had to pick a Chaplin film. I picked City Lights. I love City Lights. There's all kinds of good slapstick thing. The thing about City Lights is if you watch the whole way through, it's got a really poignant, heartbreaking I ending. know. That's why I went like, I love City Lights. It's yeah. Paulette Goddard, that one, right? Isn't that the he one? He made a lot of important he was, he message was, movies. He did. He did. As he got older and yeah. he could. And isn't City Lights with the song Smile, which he also wrote? I think so. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. He was a, he was a really good composer. Yeah. Uh, he has a, he's an unusual one, Dr. Strangelove. It's or how I learned to love the bomb. How I learned to start. How I learned to stop worrying and love, love the bomb. Love Jeez, the bomb. You that if, was, you, if you just I listen to it, and, and the funniest of the funniest people, aside from Peter Sellers, who's very funny, is George C. Scott. Oh. You would not consider a comedian, but if you listen to his lines, as the general is that's trying to embrace the idea of nuclear war as a good thing. Does he talk about the precious bodily fluids? Is that's that him? Sterling Hayden? Oh, that's Sterling Hayden. Sterling okay, Hayden right, was right. allegedly drunk every day of his life, and would they would gauge whether he was capable of doing his lines that day or not and uh he, uh, the good old days the, <laughs> <laughs> what's next on your list by now? the way though i just want to say the um there's a every monday night at the sag harbor cinema there's a great trivia game mm-hmm. and the rest of that title dr strangelove mm-hmm. highlander the the secondary or what do you call the sub name or the the yeah. uh, subtitle the, yeah. subtitle right. was yeah. the question like everybody knew yeah, Doctor yeah. Strangelove, but or how I learned to stop worrying get, and nobody love the got bomb. the whole thing right, like you just. Well, of course I got it right. It's a tricky one. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Groundhog Day. Oh, I love that movie. That's pretty that much movie. a staple. Yeah. That's and a on a desert movie. island, you could walk that. You could watch that over and over. Over and over again. Over and over. It, it, it holds up. Day would go by. <laughs> and for an old one, His Girl Friday. With Cary Grant, Rosalind Russell doing the the genre-bending idea of the front-page newspaper thing. Right. It's really, the dialogue is fast. That's that's like the epitome of what they used to call screwball comedy. Right. See, hey... But I think that why I, think I, I oughta... read too that that was like 160 pages instead of 120 or whatever the normal like. So they had to do it was. faster. So yeah, they, they had to no, speed they, it up. It was written so that right, yeah, 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 right, that right. Why I oughta... Yeah. I had to pick a Mel Brooks movie. Yes. Barely winning was the producers. Young Frankenstein was close. Blazing Saddles. I mean, y'all made these all these pictures within a few years of each other, so it's pretty amazing. I think if you're listening to this and you've seen the producers, the one to see is one of the ones that you haven't seen yet. Right, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Young Frankenstein. High anxiety is pretty funny. Oh yeah, it is. And silent movie. Here's your paper. That's Barry Levinson. (laughs) That's right. What else do you have? Number ten on the list is Toy Story. Toy Story is a very funny movie for adults. It's really funny for adults. Yeah. John Ratzenberger, Don Rickles. Uh, the Great. whole cast and crew, Tom Hanks. You know what I'm going to say about Toy Story? They get actually better. Like, the, it, the this is never true in sequels normally yeah. and rarely ever in comedy. But, like, Toy Story 3 or the four, uh, the, the last one is probably the most touching. It is. The toys move Because I think Because I think they thought it was going to be the last one. Now they just announced Toy Story oh, 5 with right. Tim Allen coming back. I wish well, I could Well, I'm being told surprised. we only have a minute left, which okay. is very quick. The very, I'm going to very quickly then. I picked five movies which have laugh-out-loud scenes. Okay. Okay. All of me, 
which is the scene where oh. Edwina back, back in ball. Tomlin, back in ball. Back in ball. Tomlin's inhabiting Steve Martin. Yeah. She's supposed to be asleep so he can put the moves on Victoria Tennant. When she wakes up, she goes, <laughs> bad girl, naughty girl. And she's like, yes, more of that, please. I'm a bad poodle. Yes, more of yes, that. Yes, yes. Bridesmaids, when the meal they ate goes south to the intestines. I absolutely love that movie. Except, I mean, that scene is, you know, but I love the Gross, script. I thought it was brilliant. Very funny. Brilliant movie. Uh, Night at the Opera, when they pile everybody into the state house and somebody comes along yeah. and opens it and everybody pops <laughs> everybody out. Yeah. out. Laugh out loud. Yeah. Uh, let's see. My other one. Oh, well, Tootsie. Oh, Tootsie. Tootsie's on my list. 1982. But my favorite scene, which is Laugh Out Loud Funny, where he comes in dressed as yes. Tootsie to sit with Sidney Pollack oh. at the Russian Tea Room. Yeah. And I was going to mention the Russian Tea Room. And oh. Sidney Pollack understands that this is Michael. You know, I told you to get therapy. Right, right, right. <laughs> Sidney Pollack was always great when he, when he acted. He, he didn't do it very often. Which but is what too I bad. used to say about him is if he says it in a movie, it's the truth. And everybody, what's the biggest laugh out loud scene that you've probably ever seen in a movie? I oh. don't know. When Harry met Sally. Oh, oh that when scene. She does, when she does of the course. orgasm, and then she, Rob, I'll have Rob what she's mother having. says, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, and that's Rob Reiner's mother. Put in a quick pitch for still seeing movies in the theaters because there's nothing like laughing out loud. With yes, with an audience. I agree 100%. Totally. 100%. We will ha- always have what Clavin is having. Thank you for joining us, Thank sir. Thank you very much for having me here. All right. Then there is more. I, what's the soundtrack? What's on the soundtrack next? Nice. (laughs) And uh, we're going to be coming uh, back with Josh Gladstone, who is going to be joining us and talking about comedy on stage. I want to give a quick shout out to a movie that I thought was amazing called A New Leaf with Walter Matthau and Elaine May from 1971 that not a lot of people know about. Oh, I do know about it because she wrote it. Elaine wrote it and Mike Nichols directed it. Carbon on the bow. That was a brilliant film. And, you know, if I had one that I'd say is my favorite um, kind of unsung movie, it would be The Tall Guy with Jeff Goldblum, where he is an yeah, actor. you told me that the It's other brilliant. Day. He's I... an actor in England. Rowan Atkinson um, is, is in Yes, but he plays kind of himself. And, uh, and Jeff Goldblum is kind of the silent actor who is the straight guy. Oh. But he's, he's cast in a musical production of The Elephant Man. And that's all I'm going to say. It is. It's kind what? of like the producers, oh, but like whole... a low budget. It's oh, whole... I got to see that. It's such a good movie, and it's very, very funny. But hey, speaking... tell us about our next guest. Well, uh, what can I say about Josh Gladstone that hasn't been said already? In divorce court? No, <laughs> no, no in, not in, at all. Josh, in fact, Josh <laughs> and his wife Kate Muth are are artistic mavens of the Hamptons, and Josh has recently joined the staff here at LTV in Wainscott uh, after a long. Which we're going to desperately try and talk you out of. What happened there? And it's been and, uh, such a story. And we're not going to mention his hat at all if no, you're listening I, for on WLIWFM. He, he is the, we mentioned uh, Woody Allen earlier. He is the jester. Yes, today. you are the jester. Welcome, Josh. Thank you. And it's welcome nice to, to be here. Thank well, you. And we'll nice to see you at LTV. <laughs> I remember seeing you at LTV a million years ago in. in uh, the Scottish play, perhaps, or was yes, it? Yes, yes. So. Playing a fool. Yes. The porter at the gate. Knock, knock. Here's a knocking indeed. If a man were porter of hell gate, he should have old turning the key. Yes. Oh, I won't go on. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Something on. like no, that. No no. no, no, but that's true. And that's one of the things I did want to ask you, which, of course, probably threw you for a loop when I said it, but... The role of the fool, with this is the April Fool's uh, edition, the role of the fool in drama uh, since time immemorial has always been 
the make them laugh. A device that's a been device. there from day one, right? And you might even say an archetype. Mm. Yeah. Something that comes from the deep recesses of the subconscious, of the shadow realm, the truth speaker. He who can say what no one else will right. say. He who wears the coxcomb because that is the badge of honor for freedom, for that which must not be said except by the subconscious shadow walker, or should I say shadow dancer, because the fool dances across the boundaries of the subconscious and is one of the earliest symbols, going back to the first card of the tarot, going back to that. fairy tales, where, where there's the trickster archetype right. and there's the fool. Not necessarily the same, but often right. related. Because the trickster is more that. sneaky and the fool is, comes from a childlike place. Yes. Right? Yes. So what makes them so desirable to play? <laughs> what's the attraction there for an actor when they say, I'm the truth speaker or I'm the, what's the thing that makes it the. Well, it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I mean, especially when you're sitting through something that's as serious or tragic as a, as a Shakespeare tragedy, and then suddenly you have a scene with the porter or Falstaff comes in or whoever comes in. It's such a moment for the entire audience to have like a moment of laugh relief. Right, yes. all together, and yes. show that, like Clavin was saying, see it in a in a theater or see a movie yeah. all together, because then you have this collective moment of joy. It's before, before they hit you on the head again. Right. right? I mean, you can. You, there are certain things that you cannot say in public, but yet you go to Caroline's comedy, and with the timing and with a drink, and it's actually the thing that releases the tension for all of us because they'll say the thing that is not otherwise. Although in we're world. in a time when a lot of that is being quashed, where we're being told, no, this is, you can't make fun of this anymore, you can't do that anymore. I mean, we're, the, the idea of the comedian as the person that can say what we're all thinking is getting, I would say, at least muted a little, huh? Well, there are those that, you know, look back at comedies. I was just reading an article about... Ben Stiller's piece today where they're looking to do a sort of cancel culture on that film he made with Robert Downey Jr. Tropic Thunder. Tropic yeah. Thunder is one of her favorite Absolutely comedies. one of my favorite. It. It's a brilliant piece from 2008. It will cure and, anything that ails you. <laughs> Tropic Thunder. And there are those who are saying that Robert Downey doing it in blackface is, is completely oh, inappropriate. It's horrible. But there are many, even in the black community, who have rallied to the defense of the film and said it's, it's a satire. It and is. therefore the license to satirize is and the whole there. joke that this pompous actor thought he could play that role and talks them into it and uh, is the whole gag. I yeah. mean, that's the whole idea. It's really putting all of that on its head. But True. this many years later, we love to go, wait, how did that happen? How did we make that? <laughs> so I, we, this is the April Fool's edition. So throwing you another curveball, have you had any <laughs> April Fool's that you've had, have ever played on anyone or had or any been the victim of ones something. that you've been victim of? Because I said they're all no good. If you can... Tell me a good one. I would Coupon, love to hear The Great Coupon it. one was pretty good with my daughter. Yes, Come on. Pretty good. Uh, my mother, uh, I'll forgive her now, but I'll <laughs> never forget when I was in grammar school and bit into my peanut butter and jelly sandwich oh, and buried within the peanut butter were the prior evening's hot red peppers from the Chinese food order. And there were maybe four or five of them in there. So I got the full dose. Well, that's not very funny. No, I think I probably cried. Oh, no. Fools. Yeah. This is back to your it's theory. It's true. My mother. 
Uh, yes, yeah. I know. A, a treacherous wench. <laughs> yes, she may, is. Maybe watching. It scarred her to this. It scarred, scarred you to this me. day. Yeah, yes. that's what I said. Is that scarred. I think that it was kind of a one day a year, at least in this country, for for parents to like blow off steam and get back those little those little. Creeps you did for that doing to your everything. children as well. No, I was actually I, the, horrible I'm, human being. I, my, Jen is really the worst. My mother. She, oh, I, yeah. they, yes, monkeys on the lawn. Ask her. If I called her right now, I'd say, "Mom, what's your favorite April Fool's joke?" She'd say, "Oh, there's monkeys on the lawn." <laughs> I go, "Where? Where? Where?" I loved monkeys. There were never any. monkeys. That's a book title. Mean, monkeys on the mean. lawn. Yes, monkeys. Hey, on the lawn. Uh, what's coming to LTV? I know you're involved here in some oh. of the changes creatively and what's going to be going on. Uh, this so summer. Have, can you tease us with some? I what some of the programming yes, may be or what you're looking I at. I can. I can. We are going to bring back a wonderful program that was founded by Mitzi and Perry Pazer in East Hampton about 30 years ago called the Playwrights Theater of East Hampton. Oh, and and uh, Perry just gave us his blessings as well as underwriting to bring that series here and what it is, is it's a celebration of the written word, which you know something about in yes. development. Uh, and, and this was a series that ran for many years at LTV. Uh, I actually saw it here and brought it over to the John Drew Theater during my time there. And then uh, this was all maybe five or six years before the pandemic, and, and she had, was not well, and the Playwrights Theater sort of receded. But in its heyday, we had wonderful actors. I remember speaking of comedians, Jack Klugman was a part of it, and oh, Charles wow. Durning, you talk about, Tootsie was a part of it. And We're Len here? Cario. That was actually at LTV. Uh, I, I was at uh, John Drew Theater. But but when it was here, they had wonderful performers, wow. too. Tova Felcha and yes. Mercedes Rule did some, I believe, well, and you were behind here. some some table readings at uh, Guild Hall as well. Yes. And so maybe we could see a little more of that too. We are, we're gonna. That's oh, the Playwrights Theater is predicated on the idea of bringing work by the writer in process. And I think LTV Studio with its 175 seats and its flexible space, but not a traditional theater space, but it's a great space to hear emerging work and to interact with the writers afterwards and have conversations. This and is, I've always said, a black box yes. in, yeah. the in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> as we mentioned, witness relocation uh, off uh, Industrial Park Road. But like, they don't have any restrictions in terms of what they can and can't do here. So we prove that every month. Oh, which uh, we sure do. But we appreciate uh, <laughs> that more of that is going to be happening under you. We also are looking to invite all kinds of performing arts from throughout the community. We have a musical program scheduled for the first Sunday in July with the Pollock Krasner House, where they're bringing an Indian tabla master. Oh, wow. Uh, Ustad Shafat Khan uh, is bringing a concert here. And the reasoning for that is that uh, Jackson and Lee would listen to Indian ragas while they painted and in their home. And a big part of the exhibition that Helen Harrison is putting together has to do with their world and their domestic life and their Rolodex and their friends. Oh, that's so amazing. these Indian artists were a big part of their life. So and so she said, do you know any Indian artists? And I said, as a matter of fact, Ustad Shafat Khan is a genius. So they were available for a performance date. So you'll be able to be see a some- sitar here? Yes. Oh. Be a, uh, and some kirtan? Yes. Is there gonna be some call and response stuff? Well, maybe. I don't know the exact run of show, but if uh, you start calling out, he'll probably respond. <laughs> it's supposed to go the other way. I think he's supposed to do it and we're supposed to respond, but sure. She calls I'll out heckle. all the time. You, you're welcome. Uh, 
we have uh, we have a hip hop musical coming under the uh, banner of the Playwrights Theater. It's a new piece called At the Bus Stop, which is going to be a, uh, performed with book in hand by the actors, but also with live music, live hip hop performance. That's on July, I want to say, fifteenth. Without oh, my exciting. calendar, that won't be at a table. Those they'll, they'll be up jumping yeah, around. Well, be, it'll be performed on its feet, but you know, again, book in hand. So these are not full productions. I but really we have may to get say, to that point. I have to say, I love when Josh Gladstone shakes his head. You can't see it on the radio, but he's still wearing a fool's cap and his little bells are jangling. Yes, so it's hard to take you seriously. I don't know why you would say that. <laughs> it's not his keychain. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, these are exciting yeah, developments here at LTV. Of, lots of really yeah, good we've stuff got a lot of, on. I mean, Michael Clark and the board, they have this remarkable resource. And, and Michael, when he came in here a few years ago, you know, hats off to him because he really wanted to open the space up in many ways to the community. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. But I know you've been doing readings. I know there have been concerts. There's been community groups that have been welcomed here. And, and so he just said this is becoming a little more than, than I want to run myself. He's got right. enough to deal with uh, with everything going on here. He has the, a passion for broadcast. music and jazz. And yes. we've been doing a lot of those things here. Uh, it's every great now to be and then, back theater. Every now and then Beyonce comes in, rents the place, <laughs> oh. and does a music video. So like, there's a lot going on in this building. And I yes. think that uh, the more that we can do here, uh, the better. And we do uh, tape our show here at LTV. It's also broadcast on WLIWFM. We can't Island. stop. Them. We've tried. Only NPR channel. And Josh, just quickly, uh, before you leave us, do you have any particular favorite kind of, I call them macaroni and cheese funny movies or funny TV shows that yeah, you put what's on? Yeah, what makes you laugh? Like I, something that's I, a comfort. I don't, I don't watch movies. Oh, sure you don't. I go, I go to plays. No, I, I of course, I, I like, you know, there's something about Mary. It was a laugh out loud moment. <laughs> I actually watched if that you again. Recall. Well, there's another one we couldn't yeah. make now. You probably might not be able to make it. You know, I love the license of the fool. This is... This is Feste. This is this is from Twelfth Night, and he concludes the play, connecting back to that childish heart, that open heart that comes from the fool. When that uh, I was and a little tiny boy, with a hey ho, the wind and the rain, a foolish thing was but a toy. For the rain it raineth every day, and the fool sees the rain and and turns it to sun. I'll leave you with that, and and I'll also leave you with this because I've been hoping to jam with Jimmy and Jimmy. Oh, okay. <laughs> and jo okay? Josh has what, what a, um, a, a what's it I love when we lose complete control right. of the show. Here, yes, it's take the slide away, whistle, Jens. folks. <laughs> and uh, you're listening to an experiment in patience and public funding. And if you can still hear me, they haven't pulled the plug yet. This is Air Hamptons with Bridget and Bill, and we'll be back with Amanda Green, Caroline Hirsch, Woody Harrelson, and my partner, Bill McCudley. It's almost too much show. Oh, man. Thank you very much. I, thank you. Okay, that was and something. Jim. But that you was... see, you never know what's going to happen here. I said anything can happen in this building, and we, uh, it's gonna, we're it, living proof of it's it. It's going to escalate, isn't it? We're going to have a whole slide whistle crew. He talked about uh, doing some play readings here, which yes. we've been doing at LTV. You sat down recently with someone who makes her living doing punching up and working on 
Uh, I did. I sat down with my oldest friend. Literally, our mothers got stuck in the revolving door at double days when they were pregnant with us. Uh, Amanda what? Green. What? Wait, just yes, stop. Yes. Say that again. Say Phyllis, that sentence Phyllis again. Phyllis Newman. Dropping some things. Here. Phyllis in Newman. My, in my, uh, not my swear jar, my name drop jar. The yes. great Phyllis Newman, who was a fixture on, uh, on, on Broadway and, and, and in lots film of game and lots shows. of things. Yes. And uh, she and my mother got uh, stuck in a revolving door when they were pregnant with me and Amanda. And then Amanda and I went to school. And even when I switched schools, Amanda switched schools. And then first day at Brown University, who walks in as my roommate. But Amanda, we looked at each other. We were like, really? No one else would take us? So she has been my one of my oldest and dearest friends forever. Um, her father, Adolph Green, wrote some of the great musicals and the great books, uh, Singing in the Rain, The Bandwagon, and so on. When Adolph died, um, which was right after my dad died, again, in the name drop jar, I sent Am oh. Amanda and Phyllis a 20-pound ham, and they got it because oh. that's who he was. <laughs> so I was really lucky to uh, sit down with Amanda and talk about her latest work. We're going to see that now. Got it. So, Amanda Green, thank you so much for joining us on Air Hamptons today. We've... Bridget Leroy, always my pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> we have known each other too long, my friend, almost. That is true. That is true. Um, forever. Um, and I remember just the incredible... Uh, like coming over to your house and hanging out with with Adolph and Phyllis, and you know, tell us a little bit. We're we're doing this episode is about April Fools and about comedy, and you come from a, a line of comedians, intentionally or not. So uh, that's true. Yeah, my dad was Adolph Green, who wrote "Singing in the Rain," as he would have proudly told you if he were yes. here, and uh, lots of other, uh, you know, the Bandwagon and on the Town and Wonderful Town and. Bells are ringing, and my mom was the uh, Tony Award winning actress uh, Phyllis Newman, and uh, we. You know what I re you know what I remember I about your mom? Sorry, I know I do interrupt a lot. I was the Mad Woman of Central Park West, uh -huh. and um, how amazing she was. Uh, just, I mean, I knew Phyllis as like making me a sandwich if I slept over, kind of, you know. And then oh, to you see her, your, your 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 memory is playing tricks on you. Phyllis never made a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she'd get up and perform for me, you know. That she would do. That she would do. Sandwiches she would not. But anyway, so you come from this line of of where where being funny was was kind of important. I mean, Absolutely. and you, you yourself have written uh, many music. I mean, you do cabaret, of course, and but you also have written these Broadway shows. I mean, working on Mr. Saturday Night. Uh, yes. with Billy Crystal and writing some of the funniest lines, which I cannot repeat because most of them have some like F-bombs and so on. But rhyming uh, kamikaze and Ashkenazi was truly a, a genius. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Tell me, about, tell me about your experiences with uh, whether comedy growing up or working with the great comedians you have. Tell me about that. Um, gosh, well, comedy, I mean, you know, the, the coin of the realm, as I always like to say it around our dinner table was, was making each other laugh. I mean, and, uh, my parents didn't, uh, censor themselves. So I learned some of the funniest dirty jokes as a kid. And I, I still tell them, you know what I mean? And, and, um, uh, so yeah. it was not, you know, there, it wasn't age appropriate, <laughs> but they were funny. And if you could make the table laugh that was a good night of dinner and i still think like people were like who's your audience and i was like 
it's probably that table. You know what I mean? Like I, I still like, as I'm writing, I'm still like hearing their laughter. You know, that's kind of what I'm going for. I have to say they were always really generous with things like that because then of course the, the comedian thing is when you tell a comedian a joke, sometimes they just go, oh, that's funny. Totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so you went into this, you know, show business as well, and you've been in yeah. it for a long time. We grew up together, and uh, you've had a lot of. Oh, I know what I was going to say. You yeah. wrote some very funny songs, and you know which one my favorite is. Every time a friend succeeds, a little piece of me dies inside. Yes. <laughs> I kind of found my niche, you know, writing funny songs. And, um, oh, and I hear a noise. Don't you hear a noise? I do. What is that noise? Oh. Are you blow drying your hair? No. I, yes, I was. No, but you fixed it because you're magic. I am magic fix. So yeah, so tell me about uh, the songs that you. Uh... Uh, you know, yes. Every time a friend succeeds, a little piece of me dies inside. Uh, was one of my first hits. I mean, that got me a lot of attention in New York. I, I sort of got my start or my finish singing in cabaret because I was sort of like I was writing these funny songs and I was like, I'll sing them myself, and and that got me attention. And um, gosh, I mean. Um, Funny songs I do write. I'd rather be with you than with the finest people. Um, who's worse than people? Um, if you leave me, can I come too? You know, I just, I love writing. So great. Comedy songs. And, um, and, and so, and I love writing musical comedy. And um, yeah, tell me about, I mean, your most recent, it, it was, it was quite the hit, Mr. Saturday Night, working Mr. with Saturday Billy Crystal. Night. Working uh, with Billy Crystal. I, I got the gig uh, because uh, uh, Mark Shaman, who's a, very famous and fantastic composer actually came to me and told me about it and he was like you got to write to billy crystal and introduce yourself and i was like oh my god i have to write to billy crystal and introduce myself and i like looked through my laptop and i found a picture that i was hoping i'd find and it was a picture of me sitting on milton burl's lap as a kid and mr saturday night is about a family of comics so i was like hi i'm amanda green i understand this world <laughs> <laughs> and you got the job I got the job. <laughs> Look at that again. One, oh, wow. Listen, that's so cool. Are you frying bacon? It sounds like I, you're frying I don't think it's me. I, well, I don't think it's me. Well, anyway, let's just continue then. Let's pretend we're <laughs> not here. One of us is blow drying bacon, maybe. I don't know. Blow drying bacon, or there's just yeah. a ghost in the machine. So, I, you know what? Amanda was riding a Zamboni during this interview. She just <laughs> got off. So. Me. <laughs> um, but listen, so tell me about um, Female Troubles. Yes, Female Troubles is the uh, musical I'm working on now, and I've been working on it for several years, but you know, COVID yeah. did everything. But uh, it's an original idea uh, that I came up with my, with my collaborator, uh, composer Curtis Moore. Uh, and uh, it sort of combined lots of things we cared about. I care about women's reproductive freedoms. And I was like, I went to him and I said, here's the worst idea for a musical I ever had abortion the musical and he was like huh um and then uh, so then he was like well maybe if it's in a different time period and we both love jane austen so all of a sudden we sort of we came up with this idea for a show that takes place in 19th century england but a a, a young lady un, who's unwed finds herself knocked up and she, her maidservant shows her an ad for women with female troubles and she offers a cure for women with female troubles right. and then we reached out to these incredible book writers uh who who are Talk about funny, oh my God, Jen Crittenden and Gabby Allen, who uh, 
uh, were head writers on Veep. Uh, they have a show now called Housebroken starring Lisa Kudrow. They've written for like all the funniest shows on TV and they came aboard as book writers. So we've been working on it for several years. Um, I, I can't tell you yet, but we will be where, but we will be premiering um, in 2024. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Yeah, I'm totally excited. We've got it, producers and um, Ariana DeBose has been a fan of the show for a, a long time. And uh, she and Bonnie Milligan who's currently starring in Kimberly Akimbo just recorded a song and we did a video and we're gonna release a video of them uh, singing this duet uh, next month. What is the name of the song, dare I ask? It's not, it's not one of the funny ones. It's called A Woman Knows. But, oh, okay. um, it, this, but the show itself is kind of using the lens of yesteryear, of you know, the 19th century to talk about what's going on today. There's a song called, Can You Believe This Shit's Still Happening in 1810? About how badly women are treated um, in 1810, but like, thank God, you know. Right, it, right. It's, it won't be that way, you know. So, um, so using humor to uh, talk about that's great. And do you find yourself, um, as we age <laughs> gracefully, we hope, do you find yourself changing what you think is funny? Or do you think there are some things that are always, always funny? There are some things that are always, always funny. Uh, I pretty much, the, the stuff that made me giggle at eight is pretty much still makes me giggle now. Some of the stuff I wrote that I thought, that is so funny. I'm like, is it you know but um the really funny stuff stays funny i mean um t i mean like look at um you know singing in the rain yeah still as freaking funny i mean i wasn't around when it came out but uh, you know i thought it was hilarious as a kid it's if you show yeah. it to a kid now they will still laugh you know um i even referenced uh the because when we record this show where the microphones are and all of that and i swear i was i was in the studio with bill and our, our wonderful uh, crew and the mic was here and i did pierre you shouldn't <laughs> and they all laughed everybody knows it i mean it's just iconic and to know yeah. that you are descended from adolf lovely wonderful adolf who Love gave us the insane head of adolf green yes, yes from the insane head of adolf green and amanda uh where can people uh find out more about what you're doing do you have like a website or anything like that uh no i don't have a website um oh. uh, but uh they can find out gosh um well, Just read, look out, read the dailies, for God's sakes. Read the dailies. Look out for female troubles. You can watch Mr. Saturday Night on Broadway HD, which you can get on Amazon Prime. And I'm super proud of that. And all my stuff is on CD, all my shows. And um, yeah, I perform at Birdland sometimes. You can look out for me there. And uh, like that. Amanda Green AF. Does that mean what I think it means? And friends. I don't know what you're thinking. Oh, of course. Well, listen, Amanda, as always, love talking to you. And I can't thank you enough for joining us on Air Hamptons. Always my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Get Bridget. back on that. Uh, get back on that uh, Zamboni now. <laughs> you know, when you say daughter of Adolf, you have to qualify that really quickly because <laughs> with a so. name like Adolf, you have to say, uh, uh, um, that, <laughs> what a, a great interview. Adolf. And I'm glad that she gave one more shout out on this show to Broadway HD. We had yes. the folks that we had uh, Bonnie and Stuart on. Last yeah. Month. And I just think that Mr. Saturday night, I know I've this is the fourth time I brought it up probably in as many months, but I just think that 
that's the future of the way the rest of the country can go see uh, Broadway. Yeah. You two, from the story about being introduced oh, in, yeah. in Vertro. Uh, yes, in a, yes, in Vitre, yes. Yeah, we're sort of like backstage kids growing yeah, up yeah, it in was these like, incredible families. Yeah, it was me and Amanda, Sam Robards, uh, and, uh, Alex and Jamie and Nina Bernstein. We were all like... The kids of the of the Upper West Side and Nicole Fossey, we were we were always hanging around backstage under everybody's feet. So this whole backstage upbringing reminded me of another uh, comedy that actually some of the folks here on the set were talking about called My Favorite Year, and Love I forgot it. I forgot about that movie, uh, and I shouldn't have because it stars Mark Lynn Baker as a young guy behind the scenes of like your show of shows, which is the Right, he's thing. a co young comedy writer just coming his first his yes. first year. And he wants to get ahead, and they, they assign Peter O'Toole to him for the week that he's going to be the big guest star. And, of course, the, the greatest line from that movie is, uh, live, I'm an actor. I'm not, I, well, the greatest line that I've just barbecued. <laughs> Try so it again. He, he's, Take two. Take Peter two, Peter O'Toole doesn't realize that the show is live. Right. And when he does, he kind of freaks out. Right. He's an alcoholic, and Mark Lynn Baker is in charge of him. And I sort of had that job for a you couple did? of summers in Summerstock Theater. And now just for people, when you say your show of shows, let, let's make it more modern. Yeah, let's say was, SNL. Yeah, like, like it was Saturday like a weekly live, live show. Done in front of right. an audience and so at you, 30 Rock. What and were you writing for? What I would no. I was the I was the guy that taught the actors their lines and babysat the difficult actors and I won't for, name anybody. But for what show? But for different shows every week. Oh, you're so kidding. I was the guy that met them at the airport, took them to the hotel. They would start literally handing me a script and we would run lines for the whole week all during the rehearsal. And you're not going to say any names so nothing in the name drop jar, huh? No, but they were, Agnes Moorhead was one of oh, them. Yes. Uh, there were big people like that. Then there were comedians, apropos of this, like Maury Amsterdam that came and didn't need me for the week. Like right. I was basically watching him do shtick and right. stuff. Because like Alan King was he like He had an that. act. Or Alan, Ki Alan, but King. Alan, Alan King would come and do like, take her, she's mine or one of those like. Well, or, Alan King or, would get off the plane with a shtick already going on and then he would just like walk on stage continue the shtick and come and sit and have dinner and continue right, the shtick right, it was like right. one big shtick but this was this was dinner theater well it wasn't a, there was no dinner it was just theater in right. the round and it was if Alan King came he'd be in the odd couple let's say right I got you so I got you. that was my gig for that summer uh, two summers actually what when I was you, 15 what did you learn what sort of April Fool's <laughs> were, were, what kind of shenanigans <laughs> I, I learned did that, you learn uh, about I wanted to be it was good to be the star yeah that that was very good it's good to be the king <laughs> as Mel Brooks says um listen uh we mentioned Saturday Night Live a moment ago yes. and someone who last month was one of the not more successful but uh is a great comedian is Woody Harrelson yeah he's in a movie called Triangle of Sadness not one of my favorite movies I've said before I think the menu is a better skewering of the one percent and I watched the trailer there was a lot of vomit there's a lot of pooing and a lot of vomit yes. in Triangle of Sadness um <laughs> One, one of the things that happens around the Academy time is, uh, as we're voting, we get to sit down with these people. And actually, I got a chance to listen in on Ruben Ostland, who's done some very very funny movies like yeah. Force Majeure and The Square. He interviewed Woody Harrelson, and they're talking about what makes things funny. So I thought this was a perfect thing to add to the show today. Uh, he talks about something that 
every comedy needs, which is a dilemma. And he says all funny situations start with a dilemma. And here's the conversation he and Woody Harrelson have about that. Uh, a dilemma is kind of interesting to talk about because a dilemma is something that is easy to identify with, but, but hard to handle. Uh, so a dilemma, you have two or, two or more options, but none of them are easy to make. And all of the options, options will have consequences. So as soon as you can spot the dilemma, then you have some entity to deal with, uh, I think, uh, both for the actors and for me when it comes to, to writing it. But I always try to do, like, if I don't believe in it, then something is wrong. I have to look at the screen and I have to believe in it. And, and yeah, then, then I feel safe. But if I don't believe in it, then I feel like, okay, this is something that is wrong. It's not funny because I don't believe in it. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I really, as an actor, appreciated that because there were times when I was definitely just trying to move to getting a getting a laugh, as opposed to just playing the character for real and allowing the behavior to be, you know, the behavior and the interaction over the dilemma between the characters. That that be the thing that causes the audience to laugh. And you yeah. were great about that. You, I mean, you have a very true line of, like, you can just, you feel it the second it goes the wrong way. I don't know. Anyway, I, I much appreciated that while we were filming. But I also liked uh, when we do stuff and the, and the scene just runs and runs. And you're just letting it go just to see what happens. And, oh, there was some really funny stuff. Really funny stuff. We need a dilemma. That's what we need. We do. <laughs> that's where, that's Quick, where humor comes from, a dilemma. Yes. We do have a dilemma. I had a, a lovely conversation with Caroline Hirsch and uh, April the other Fools. day. It, you, and you couldn't get it off your She phone. was the, right. the first lady of comedy. Uh, Caroline's on Broadway, and I went there every Monday night for about, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. Uh, she was part has, of her last set, right, at Caroline's? It was you the last of, week, and yeah, we wrote week? about it. Um, and uh, the dilemma is we don't have enough time to show you the interview, but I can tell you that she has not left comedy. She still uh, produces with her partner a thing called uh, the uh, – New York Comedy Festival. They okay. do it every year, 150 different acts. I asked her who makes her laugh, and she said Tracy Morgan. Really? That even after the Walmart truck he was making jokes about, he wished he'd been hit by an Amazon truck because he would have made even more money. Uh, so he's he's somebody that makes her laugh, and she's also doing, uh, and I want to have her on the show yeah. to talk about some very important documentaries she's doing. Uh, one of them uh, is called The Conspiracy, and it's about anti-Semitism. Oh, wow. That doesn't uh, that's sound on like the festival that's circuit right not now. a comedy. Not comedy. No. But uh, she has done many about Jewish mothers and or the mothers of comedians. Uh, so Caroline Hirsch will join us uh, in a at a future time. Well, but, Bill, it's it's been another uh, extraordinary experience taping that. Air Hamptons at LTV, and we're also can be listened to on WLIWFM. Long Island's only NPR station. And if we, you can still hear this, they're still running it. <laughs> I want to thank all of our either. all of our guests, Josh Gladstone, Amanda Green, Tom Clavin, Patrick McLaughlin. Who else did we have? Uh, and the one-man band, oh, Jim we... Turner, who will now play us out with something really funny. He's got about 10 seconds. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have you heard my duck call? <laughs> <laughs>